This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are continuing through the book of Genesis chapter 19. Verse 11, we are in the book of Genesis, and we are in one of those passages that, like I said, it's by the world standards and by the way the world does things. It is a a passage that is hated and reviled, but it is purposely here, and we see that it's purposely here because the angel of the Lord came and told Abraham what he was going to do so that Abraham would share it with the generations to come. And that's why it's actually even written in the Bible, because what has happened here is 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 had is of no effect to us. But it is of great effect if you if you consider that God is showing us that his judgment, when it comes, although it is long suffering and he is forbearing for a long time, it is complete in this passage, though, I'd like to just spend a little bit of time talking about a subject that I think is really important, and that is spiritual blindness and that carried out in this situation. Spiritual blindness is a is a malady that affects those who are not born again, because obviously they have no spirit, so they cannot see things from a spiritual perspective. Oftentimes, we as believers want to attribute to unbelievers or those who are not born again the ability to see that which is spiritual, to see that which is from God. And that is just not the case. It's just not possible. I'm not Superman, so I don't have x-ray vision. Now, if I had x-ray vision and I was Superman, I might not understand why you didn't have x-ray vision. But the truth is that the reason you're so used to x-ray vision is because you're Superman and uh, you can see things. Well, much like x-ray vision, and in fact, I actually think x-ray vision and all the attributes of of Superman are spiritual because he was made to be a a superhero of Jesus. It's it's important to understand that, that just because you see things from a spiritual perspective doesn't mean someone who does not have a spirit can see those things. They just can't. And it, they're incapable of it. There's a couple of stories in my life that are so resonate so much with that. And I'll get into those. It says, and they struck, verse 11 talks about the angels, the men who were trying to push in and to, to know those angels or really to have sexual relations with those angels. That's, that's clearly what the Hebrew says there. And every Hebrew scholar will tell you that's exactly what, that's exactly what is going on here. Or Lot would not have offered his daughters to them for that purpose if that wasn't the intent of their heart when they were coming and trying to push into his house. Notice what the angels do. They struck the men who were in the doorway of the house with blindness. They struck all the men of the city because all the men of the city from every quarter had come there and they struck them with blindness, both small and great, so that they became very, they, they became weary trying to find the door. In fact, not only had they struck with blindness, 
they're continuing to try to do what they were doing before. And notice that is an aspect of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness does not mean that you realize that you need to be able to see. Spiritual blindness means that you don't realize that you've lost something. You don't realize that you don't have something. You don't even realize you don't even realize the need for it. Now, so many times when I'm dealing with the people who, who are spiritually blind, they don't even realize what they're struggling with. And I deal with a lot of a lot of drug addicts who are some way entangled in the criminal justice system, or they may have lost their children to DHR or other varied things, and they're addicted to drugs, which is put a veil over their eyes and close their eyes to to the things that are going on around them that are of the most importance. And even those that are born again and in the grips of drug addiction oftentimes are blind to the things that are very important around them. Now, I'm not judging them and I'm not being ugly about them. I'm just explaining to you the condition that we find ourselves in. When when you give yourself over to sin, oftentimes you blind yourself to the important things that are going on around you. Now, I say that because when a person has that situation and then they have that spiritual and it's not and it's not just a physical thing and and you need to hear that especially like with drug addicts i'll tell you just a, a detox program and you can ask any person who's ever struggled with this a detox program does nothing it just takes the drugs out of the system but it doesn't take the system out of the, it doesn't take the person out of the of the drugs they just want the drugs even more even though they're detoxed out of it there has to be a there has to be an enlightening moment there has to be a moment where they realize you know what this is destroying me and i've got to have help to get away from it. I have to have help to remove it. I have to be equipped with the skills it takes to not put myself in that position again. And when that realization comes in a person's life, their lives are changed by it. They really are. And it takes a while and it takes a lot of discipline. It takes some people who know what they're doing to help them through that process. But in the end, you can't get off of it. And I'll tell you this, I've had two clients just recently complete the 12-month program and they've given every indication in the way they are reacting to their situation that they figured out, they figured it out. They, both of them have, have said to me, and I'm talking about literally in the last two weeks, have said to me, we finished the program that, that, that a drug addict normally, if they're not, if they're continue to be in the grips of the drugs, they want to come back to where they were so that they can get back into what they were doing. Both of these ladies that, that I represent, both of them, both of them said, I'm, I'm both of them are in different locations in North Alabama. Both of them said, oh, God has delivered me from these drugs. I'm, I've made a new life for myself where I'm at. God has opened doors for me where I'm at, and I don't need to come back to Tallapoosa County. And you say, was Tallapoosa County that bad? No, remember, wherever you get involved in sin, that's your place of that's your place of destruction. That's your place. That's the cursed place. But wherever you're redeemed, wherever God begins to pull you out of, that's your place of redemption. And you know, when we find our place of redemption, there's power in that. That's a place where our eyes are opened and where hope is poured into us. And when you find your place of redemption, and remember, my place of redemption and your place of cursedness might be in the same location. Because remember, God's at work where all over the world. When you find that place, you ought to dig in deep and get involved in it. But what's going on with th- these people is they're spiritually blind. And until God opens a person up and allows them to see that they're, that <clears throat> all their troubles and all their difficulties are coming from that spiritual blindness, and they recognize that they need they, they don't have any hope in themselves. And let me tell you, you'll talk to drug addicts all the time, and they'll say, I can kick this. 
No, they can't kick it. They just really, <laughs> they want to. I sincerely believe that when they say that, they really want to. They want to at the very logical, empirical level in their brain, but they don't want to in any other way. And when we're dealing with, when we're dealing with, when I deal with folks like that, I realize they got to get away from it. They got to get away from it. And that's exactly what God's doing with Lot here. He's about to pass judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and the whole plane that they sit in. But, but he wants Lot out of it. He wants Lot away from it. Why? Because Lot's redeemed. Lot's a man of faith. And even though he's in the midst of <clears throat> judgment and he's in the midst of sin, God wants to deliver him. And the same is true of the, these people that I'm talking about, drug addicts. And they use, you put alcoholism, you put all kinds of uh, things in that category and, and categorize that and say that person's blind because they're under the uh, yoke or the curse of that sin and that struggle in their life. And and these men, they're so blind that they're so blind to what's going on that even when they're struck with blindness, they're still trying to search for the door to get what they want. And boy, if that's not a picture of some of the things I've seen in my years of dealing with this, I don't know what pictures there are. But I also see the redemption. And it says, the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Notice God is in the business of not only redeeming you, he's in the business of you being redemption for your whole family, for everybody who's close to you. And that's, and the angels say that to him. They say, listen, you got anybody else? And he's not, they're not just talking about family. They're talking about friends. You got any, he says, do you have you anyone else? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or whomever you have in the city. Notice they saying, we want to save we want to not only save you, we want to save your whole household. We want to save your friends. We want to save those who are close to you. We want you to be a source of salvation for everyone. And let me tell you, that's a great picture right there of what God does for people. I can't tell you how many folks that I've seen that have been redeemed out of situations and struggles. And let me tell you, the only way for a person to really... 99.9% .9 of the people I've seen get delivered from drug addiction or from alcoholism. They go to a, a Bible-based, a Christian-based deliverance program, a program where Jesus and the yoke of sin is removed and Jesus is glorified and they're taught to walk with Jesus. Every person that I've ever dealt with who's broke, broken free from that has broken free, not on their own power, not on the power of some program, but on the power of Jesus Christ. And he is a redeemer and he is a deliverer and he is a, he's a soul winner and he's a life giver. And he gives that to, to folks all the time. And he doesn't just give it to the one. His redemption seems to always overflow from that person to other people. It just always does. It is powerful. It is mighty. Our God is mighty to save. He is. And he is in the saving business. And when these angels show up to save Lot, they ain't just in the business of saving Lot. They're in the business of saving whoever Lot has. And uh, I thank God that I had that type of God. I'm, I know you do too this morning. I'm thankful that I serve a God that is mighty to save. And he's in the business of doing it. And he reaches out far beyond just that little one person. He uses that person as salt and light in the world. And, and that salt and light changes the world. And when one person's delivered, always there seems to be more come along behind them. And, uh, and I hope that's the case for you. I hope you're being salt and light as we go. They say, have you got anybody? Well, we're here to save them all. And verse 13 says, 
for we will destroy this place. Now notice destruction is coming. Judgment's coming. God's got to, God's holiness has got to be satisfied. And uh, he can't just allow the world to continue in the path it's going. He's got to fix it. And he's not going to allow it to remain the way it is. He says, the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And, the, and he is set to destroy it. And oftentimes we as trophies of God's grace don't want to deal with that. And that's how some of the denominations that have gone astray have gone astray is they've given in to that lie that we want to be of grace. And we're not going to ever call evil this evil or say somebody's bad or anything like that or say something's bad. I'm sorry. Go to he who calls good evil and evil good. We're, that's not our business is not to do that. Now, we're our, we're in the grace-given business. We're in the love-given business. But all, we're also in the truth business because you can't separate the two. You can't separate God's love from God's truth because they both come from God. And uh, love without truth, love without truth is just a nasty lie to someone because you're not helping them without the truth. And uh, the truth, the truth without love is just a set of facts for your own benefit. And both of them are, in, you can't act like you, so people say, well, I'm just telling you the truth. Are you really telling me the truth? Are you really giving me the grace of God in the midst of that truth and that understanding? If you're not, then it's just a fed up set of facts that make you feel good about your situation, make you feel bad about, make you feel good about how bad my situation is. And if I say to somebody, I love that person, but I'm not going to give them the truth. Are you really, do you really love that person? Because without the truth, there's no hope. Without the truth, there's no life. And are you really in love with them or are you just making yourself feel good at their, at their expense? Are you just feeding off of them for your own pleasure and your own benefit? And I'd say the latter is probably the likelihood in that situation. We have to understand that God is holy and that there's going to be judgment of sin. That's why we understand that. And that's why we want to pull as many from the fire as possible. Even if it burns us a little bit to get them, we want, we want to pull them from the fire and that we've got to, we got to be be honest with ourselves that there's a fire out there that's burning and it's the holiness of God. And, and Jesus, even in the midst of him ruling and reigning and giving us his very best, he does tread the wine press of God's wrath. That's what the revelation chapter 19 and chapter 17 says. He treadeth the wine press of God's wrath. Why? Because he's wrathful against sin. And there's just no way of getting around that. He said, verse 14 went out, spoke to his son-in-law who had married his daughter and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to the son-in-law, he seemed to be joking. I think this is one of those interesting passages. I've experienced this for sure. I've experienced this for sure in so many situations in my life. One of them that reminds me, I'm reminded of, even as we're studying this morning, I was called to a church and the committee was there and that committee, although I'm against all that mess now, but anyway. The committee was calling me and there was one on the committee and he was probably the one who got the closest to me. He was as close a friend in that first six months of that church as I had in the church. And his family, his family just did not want to be a part of what God was doing. And I can't say that enough. It was actually his in-laws that didn't want to be a part of the church. They just were staunchly against being a part of anything that God was doing. They were against it. And they caused him all kinds of trouble. And we prayed with him. And I spent a lot of time talking one-on-one -on -one with him. Even out, went out to his house and prayed over his house and prayed over his family. The whole nine yards. And then Jesus finally 
he just finally, he's like his son-in-law. He just gave in. He just, he couldn't deal with it any longer. And he just went off back to where he was. He's like the Egyptians, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Can't we just go back to Egypt? And he eventually did. He went back to Egypt. He went back to the world. He went back to death. He went back to spiritual blindness. He went back to the to, to the doldrums of religiousness rather than the life that comes from a relationship, a powerful relationship with God. And uh, he, that's just what happened. And uh, I saw him in a store about a year after that, all that happened. I, I came upon him in a store and I promise you, this is, it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. I went up to him and I said, Hey, Danny, how you doing? And he looked at me and he didn't even recognize me. He didn't even know who I was. And didn't have any. I genuinely, I genuinely believe when we were when we spoke for that just brief moment, that man had no clue who I was. I'd spent six months going through one of the most difficult spiritual struggles I'm sure of his entire life with him holding his hand, walking with him in the middle of it, and he didn't remember who I was. Did not remember who I was. That spiritual blindness. It is real. It is alive and it is painful to see. God, when he steps in and gives us spiritual light, we're out of the blindness. And if you've been, if you've received the light of spiritual truth, God's opened your eyes to see the big things that he's doing in his kingdom. If he's done that for you, open your eyes and take it all in. Know it, experience it, walk in it, have it to its fullest. And don't turn from it because it makes things difficult. Because let me tell you, spiritual uh, understanding, spiritual revelation does make life difficult sometimes because it changes things. God can't step in to your life and not change them. If things were going to remain the way they were before, what good is life? Why have God if I'm going to continue in the death I was in before? <clears throat> when God steps into your life, things are going to change. And sometimes those changes are hard. And sometimes those changes require a struggle. And all the time, those changes ultimately bring about God's very best. This morning, I hope you're walking in those changes. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.